Well, uh, this all well, okay. Am I allowed to say that it's bat shit? Because I mean, yes, it you is. Can. Okay. Yeah, I think I said damn and shit in a couple other episodes. <laughs> okay, well, I think I think it is. It's a rather bat shit song. It doesn't. It doesn't quite oh, sound definitely. like anything else. Yeah, it doesn't sound quite like anything else in her discography. <laughs> I, I've said before. I mean, someone once asked me um, what my favorite Kate video was, and I don't think my answer was 100% sincere. But I said it was from the Christmas special, the violin performance, which mm. when she's getting attacked by the anthropomorphic violins she actually oh god it's, it's always so blunt and on the nose but you gotta love it because you just mm. so fully commit to these absolutely taking these ridiculous concepts 100 seriously Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily Link, and this week we are going to be talking about the seventh track from Kate's third album, Never Forever, called Violin. We actually have two people that we're going to hear from for this episode. The first fan that we're going to get to hear from was in the cold open that you guys heard there. And that was from Christopher Kelly. The second fan that we'll get to hear from at the very end with adding his thoughts on this song is Wayne Henderson, who you'll remember from the last seasoned episode about In Search of Peter Pan. He was one of the three fans that I spoke with for that episode. But the first fan we're going to get to talk with here is Christopher Kelly. I encountered this guy on Twitter. I can't exactly remember now how I came across him, but I noticed in his Twitter biography that he not only was a Kate fan, but that he actually has a Kate Bush blog. And so, of course, I went and followed him, and then we started chatting about Kate Bush, and Christopher told me that he wanted to talk about violin in particular. So we're going to get to hear from him first, and then at the end of the episode, we'll get to hear what Wayne has to say about violin. But first things first, here's my discussion with Christopher Kelly. Hello, my name is Chris Kelly. I write a, a blog called Dream of Organon, which which is another project that covers every single song of Kate Bush, but in prose, and in uh, as roughly as I can get it in order of recording rather than release. Which yeah, is more what I'm doing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's basically just an attempt to synthesize, um, you know, just every kind of a criticism that exists about Kate, musicalism, I mean, not musicalism, that doesn't exist, musical, artistic, uh, sociopolitical, yeah, just a trying to write the the definitive uh, Kate Bush um, blog. Maybe we'll, there's the, it's the only blog of its kind, I believe. But yeah. Now, where can people find this blog if they're curious? Uh, like, ooh, where is this all this in written form? 
it is uh, at, at WordPress, uh, katebushsongs.wordpress.com. That should be easy to find. Yeah, just today, I, you know, as a, as a uh, recording, the next uh, entry that's going to go up is saxophone song. Oh, yep. yes. I remember when I did that episode. <laughs> <laughs> You're way ahead of me. <laughs> now, what kind of inspired you to try and go through Kate's songs uh, for a blog? Well, I think I was bored, but um. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can say uh, I that about I, me and my idea too. <laughs> I, I think I well, basically, like, yeah, I really did. Uh, I needed some sort of kind of a project going on, and I'd, I'd been reading uh, Chris O'Leary's David Bowie blog, pushing Head of the Dame, and so I decided that I could do something similar. And Kate Bush was the artist I probably knew most about aside from Bowie, so I thought, okay, just I'll try to do Kate. And so I, I set up the site and said, okay, I'm gonna start doing it this weekend. I announced it, linked it on social media. Then I realized that I did not have the resources, so I delayed the actually beginning to write the blog by nearly a year. But um, yeah, then I, but now it's finally out. I'm about five entries in. I don't know how many it'll be by the time this uh, podcast is uploaded, but yeah, it's uh, going. It's I think it's going well so far. People seem to like it. And indeed, I do, every when it comes up in my stream, I try to retweet yours because I think what you're doing is really cool. Oh, thank you. I try to retweet yeah. uh, your podcast as well, which is really awesome. Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. So, how did you become a Kate Bush fan? Um, let's see. I think uh, there was a. Uh, what's your story with her? I think it was probably late 2015, early 2016. I read this. Um, I read this blog post by a blogger called Jack Graham called uh, Waking the Witch at uh, erudatorumpress.com. Just this very general uh, look at Kate, but it was like a very nice read, but it was basically my introduction to her, and so I decided to look into the music. I think the first thing I heard was probably Running Up That Hill, since it was the first thing discussed in that blog. And then after that, I sought out what was on Amazon Prime, which is not a lot of Kate was on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime, but, but uh, so I, I checked out what they did have, the full album they did have, which was uh, The Central World, which immediately hooked me. And um, what, it's uh, Walk Straight Down the Middle. I think that's the last uh, track on the American release. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. was uh, what, what immediately uh, hooked me was, you know, which uh, that little trill she does there. like. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But yeah, that was just immediately got my attention and... I've been standing ever since. I'm assuming you, you seem like you're a younger Kate fan, too. Yep, 19 years old. Wow. I was, actually, I was, I was not much older than that when I first started getting into her music in, like, 2005-ish. So I was, um, like, 20, something like that. <laughs> it's kind of the best, that's kind of the best age to get into Kate, where you're sort of in the same place she was when she started releasing music. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're, yeah, and you're also, like, at that age where you're starting to kind of understand, like, the more the complexities of life and yeah and, i mean she she goes through some pretty complex stuff <laughs> yes i mean who else is going to write a song about nuclear war from the point of view of a fetus and actually be the fetus in the video for yes song? <laughs> like, oh my god only kate although i'd argue that that's a video that invented bjork it is yeah it is very bjorkish Either that or the or when she's dressed as a swan for Delius. Oh yes, that's you know what that's it. That that yeah. invented Bjork. It's funny because when I talk to people about the podcast, like I'll go, oh, you know, I'm running this podcast about Kate Bush, and of course, I mean, as you know, a lot of Americans don't know who she is. But then I'll go, um, you know, do you know Peter Gabriel? And oh yeah, I know Peter Gabriel. Okay, she sang with him on some of his songs, and also before Bjork dressed as a swan, Kate Bush dressed <laughs> as a swan, and they're like. Oh, okay. Like they don't, they're kind of like, okay, we're just going to humor yes. her. But it's true. Yeah, that's generally the response that Kate fans get. We, we, we're we not treated like normal people. No. 
But that's okay. What is normal, really? I mean, yes, it, it, it's a fake standard. Indeed. for fans to talk about later songs you had said you wanted to talk about violin so what about violin is one of your favorites well uh there's all well, okay am i allowed to say that it's batshit because i mean yes, it you is can. okay yeah i think it's i ba- said damn and shit in a couple other episodes <laughs> okay well i think i think it is it's a rather batshit song it doesn't it doesn't quite oh, sound definitely. like anything else yeah it doesn't sound quite <laughs> like anything else in her discography <laughs> like like i've said before i mean someone once asked me um what my favorite kate video was and I don't think my answer was 100% sincere, but I said it was from the Christmas special, the violin performance, which mm. when she's getting attacked by the anthropomorphic violins. She's so <laughs> literal. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she actually, oh, God. It's, it's always so blunt and on the nose, but you got to love it because you just mm-hmm. so fully commit to these absolutely taking these ridiculous concepts 100% seriously. Yeah, I think that, like, well, historically, like, I think it's kind of interesting because it was, like, it came out right after, uh, well, she wrote it right after leaving school, and she'd uh, done piano, I mean, not piano, uh, violin lessons, and by all accounts, hated it. But, mm-hmm. but something about it must have stuck with her for her to take the time to write a song about yes. somebody who just loves the violin. <laughs> I kind of read it as someone who's kind of gone insane just going going over the violin the ad nauseum because like it's a song I think it's a song really fraught with anxiety to the point where like she's like obsessed like like memorized every single inch of the instrument. Mm-hmm. And, but what's funny is that I kind of think of this as a wilder version of the saxophone song. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of that. Because it is a song about an instrument and the like, the feelings it evokes, but it's totally like you said, batshit crazy. Yes, yeah, she kind of anthropomorphizes both instruments. Where, mm-hmm. Whereas, like she's some, like say, the saxophone is more kind of benevolent to her. Like she's so, described it as being like a woman. The uh, well, the violin is just a screeching banshee to her. Really, if you don't play it right, it can sound like a screeching yes. banshee. As my husband can attest, who took violin lessons for years. Oh, no. Yeah, he still has his violin, and he'll break it out sometimes, but he, he's just like, no, I, you have to play it right. There's a difference between listening to someone learn piano and listening to someone learn violin, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's a reason my mom, my parents wanted me to learn a band instrument, like the clarinet or something like that. She, My mom said, no. You, I am not going to listen to you try to learn the violin like every other kid in the orchestra. And I think it's interesting that um, this was kind of written originally. Yeah, I mean, she wrote it when she was a teenager, and it's one of the few if not only old songs that she pulled out for never forever yeah it was the last one it was the last uh, song from the cat from well not well from the phoenix demos in this case that she recorded professionally and the original like the 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 demo version is so much calmer i mean it still kind of has yeah. like these weird chord changes, but it's just like yeah get the fuck going and it's green to me it's just so much calmer yeah, it's like vocally you can tell she's trying to do some of the stuff that she'll try out later, but not quite getting there. Boy, 
across the bridge, ready to carry it over, over the quavers, under the bars, out of the room of the orchestra, out of the room of the orchestra, filling me hard with the shivers, filling me hard with the shivers, filling me hard with the shivers. Like the like the vocal. I mean, this is one of the craziest vocals she ever pulls off on record because she's Seriously. just swooping up and down. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that she even, uh, at least in the the live version that was on uh, the Hammersmith Odeon, that she hits one of her highest recorded notes. Oh yeah, that's yeah. I can believe that. But, like I was just listening to some live versions earlier, and like I think there's the the Bristol recording, which I can send to anyone who's interested. But like I think at the, at the end she kind of gives out this whoop, which mm. you're not gonna hear on any others. But <laughs> I'm doing the face like <laughs> oh yeah, she's great at gurning. She knows how to make these grotesque faces. Mm. She's not afraid to like screw up her face and like yes, <laughs> like demon almost. Isn't that what she does on the back of the on the back of the album cover? Actually, she does because she's like, I'm sticking out my tongue here. Y'all can't see it, but that's what I'm doing. I, I, I can see it, and I confirm that's what she's doing. <laughs> and she stretches the back. <laughs> it's uh, like it's not something she would have done before, and it's not something she would have done afterwards. It's a very 1980 thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really. Like, I remember like the first time I ever heard this song. I first heard it on the. Um, uh, a VHS to DVD conversion of Live at the Hammersmith Odeon, and I got it off oh, eBay. Wow. And that was like right before, it was a couple months before I went to France because it was like that 2005, early 2006 is like, that was when I was getting into Kate and I was like turned mm-hmm. just turned 21 when I was in France and everything. I heard this and went, oh my gosh, this is really cool. Like, the, the, I liked the performance of the performance of it with the, like the, the violence just yes. like like for the the christmas special was kind of crazy but i went okay this is really interesting honestly like to me it's the closest she ever got to like punk almost yeah, yeah it's I sort mean, of the whole song's kind of a retort in that you know in that sense i mean like well but like say it's in the sense it's kind of a retort to her violin lessons but also 
like say um she was not taken seriously by rock critics at the time because mm. you know she's a woman her voice was t- was uh too high and you know uh, guitar I me mean, to say the rock critics they wanted these you know get the guitar driven rock so she's like okay i'll give you a guitar driven rock but with my highest fucking vocal ever mm. i mean when i heard this i could not wait to get never forever and i was so i was really excited to see it at the fanac when i got there to france since that's where i got this album and Lionheart. So like this, this whole album, like to me, like Lionheart is just, I hear it and I'm back in France. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, this, this, this was actually one of my favorites off Never Forever. To me, oh, yeah. it embodies what I love about Kate. It's the unusual subject matter. I'm going to write a song about a violin. Because why not? The, the, the crazy as hell vocal line. The high note that she hits in it, the, the viol, and if I think I capped that at an E flat six, that's above soprano high. Wow. C. Yeah. So like it's that, crazy, that. and you know I'm a music nerd, so I, of course I know this stuff. I think even more than ever, like she's really using her voice like an instrument. I can see where somebody yeah. would think this is irritating because she is just like, woo. How can you not have fun with that? Exactly. Like she's having fun with it, and. Like, isn't punk all about just like, yeah, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. DIY, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. she certainly wasn't quite, you know, wasn't a DIY, but that whole like, I'm yes. going to do whatever I want to and I don't care what anybody thinks of me. That sounds yeah. pretty punk to me. <laughs> Yeah, it's like approximately the right era for it. I mean, whenever well, kind of when everybody else was, you know, starting to transition into post-punk, getting more experimental with, say, like mm-hmm. Wire or Susie and the Banshees, but she beat them. Mm-hmm. She beat them to it. Yeah, basically what it's about. I interpret it as just somebody who's, they're going nuts and they just love the violin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that uh, sounds about right. <laughs> I and mean, that would explain the title. Actually, no, wait a minute. This song is really about a cello. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Maybe if you play it backwards, she's singing cello, cello <laughs> over again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, she wouldn't get into the backwards stuff till later, though. Yeah, that's some um, second side of Hounds of Love or first. Actually, before Hounds of Love and um, Leave It Open. Oh, that's we oh let, yeah. We, the let, we, let, we let the weirdness. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Twin Peaks ripping off Kate Bush. Famously, there's uh, this uh, these dream sequences that have the like the characters' uh, dialogue reversed, uh, but you know just uh, displayed in subtitles. But yeah, I'm I'm willing to bet that David Lynch ripped off Kate Bush. I mean, everybody's ripped off Kate Bush. Kate Bush created breathing, like mm. literally breathing. She she invented the human race. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> What's interesting is like, I mean, this this one is like so different from the other songs on Never Forever because it's so rocky. Oh yeah, it's, it's like, like especially stands out on the, the second side of the album because it like the, the the rest of it's just you know not rocky. The wedding list is a little bit rocky, but definitely not not as much as this. Like I was listening yeah. to this today like a couple times before we were talking. It was like no 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 no. 
<laughs> yeah, it's very much you know guitar, drum, bass uh, layout with like well, violin. The, the actual violin in the song is rather minimal. I mean, it it appears a little bit in the background, like when she's you know out of the realm of the orchestra, and you hear like yeah. out of yeah. the realm of the orchestra. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is a pretty like basic. You get your drums, your bass, your guitar, and then of course a violin because it's a song about violin. You gotta have a violin. Yeah. And then her brother doing something in the background, and that's pretty much it. Like, there's no fair light on it. It's pretty standard rock band. Yeah, that's right before she discovered the fair. Well, around that time. Yeah, it was like, well, it's that album where like she starts to use it extensively. But this is like the half of the album where she's still, you know, very much piano, a uh, piano rock. Uh, well, maybe that's unfair to her, but I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> yeah, see, it's, you can't really classify her as anything. No, because she's just. I'm Kate. I'm doing my thing, and I'm yes. proud of it, and I'm going to own it. The Kate Bush thing. Kate Bush is her own freaking genre. Yes. <laughs> like even with her own, within her own work, there's subgenres that nobody else has. Like arguably, every single song she's ever recorded is its own subgenre. A lot of this, this song, like what people remember it for, is the vocal line and the music. Like, do you have any favorite lyrics? I think the obvious one is uh, Give Me the Banshees for BVs, which is. Like, for people who don't know, that's uh, background vocals, uh, mm-hmm. BVs. But, but yeah, that's just um, like, I think that's very. You know what? It's it's kind of an, a rather Irish song because like it's uh, say not not just uh, that Banshee's lyric, which uh, like a uh, preacher in fire and uh, Irish folk tales, but the violin player is Kevin Burke, who was a favorite musician of Kate. He was uh, from the Bothy band, which uh, created a song which in an '80s uh, broadcast, a uh, BBC One broadcast, she called uh, one of her favorites, which is a uh, farewell to Aaron. But yeah, so it's like. It's very much an Irish song. Like it's kind of folk punk, I guess. Kate Bush uh, created folk punk. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I mean, honestly, most of her songs, like, just they always touch on folk. Yeah. Because of her telling a story and touching on her Irish roots and everything. Yeah, she grew up with uh, with uh, folk music in the form, say, A. L. Lloyd, Ewan McCall. That does just the kind of records that her family were playing around the house. Yep. So, you know, speaking of that, like, you know, give me the Banshees for BBs. It's interesting that she includes a reference to Banshees because of oh, the yeah. way that, like, critics go, critics were hounding her, if you will. I just realized the pun I did there for, <laughs> <laughs> for like, her vocals. And they're like, oh, she's a shrill little girl. Nah, nah, nah. And she puts this in there. Like, yes. And, of course, the Banshees were probably her own voice. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, kind of demonic. It's kind of demonic as far as Kate's songs go. But mm-hmm. yeah, she's that's uh, Waking the Witch is uh, probably fairly close to that too. I, I love the lyrics of pretty much all the the entire song, um, but for some reason I really like the filling me up with the shivers and quivers. Yes, because <laughs> it just because you know filling me up with shivers and quivers, filling me up. Woo! Like, you make sure that you get the physical sensation of the mm-hmm. whole thing. And it's fun to watch the Hammersmith version where she she like physically yeah. like jumps up and she's really me yes. up. 
<laughs> just hopping in the air, then just dressed like a bat. So like, li- okay, in this case, literally bat shit. But. Yeah. Because <laughs> for me, it's it's not just that she literally makes her voice go up on up, but yes. for for me, what I like about her is that she's great at evoking feelings and sensuality and right. this with her literally going up on the up and just the way she's using her voice it's like yep mm-hmm. well because okay like she she's one she's like i have this crazy concept and i'm just gonna go there and i'm gonna go all in i'm gonna yes. write a song about the violin and i'm gonna make my voice sound like a violin and i'm gonna Full get the violin things <laughs> around me and she did this in concert too like like how many shows uh tour of life had but she did it on all of them and what's in what i also find interesting just in general is that she she performed this and then egypt on yes. that tour so she like had this all going year, a couple of years before this was even fully released. Yeah, she performed it live, like, like yeah, about a year before she actually uh, recorded it. But, well, no, before it released it, I should say. But Yeah, more for release, because she started recording Never Forever in... 79. Late, yeah, late 79, and then it was released in September of 1980. Yeah, this is one of the first, like, first four songs she recorded for the album, along with... Um, Egypt, Blow Away, and The Wedding List, which kind of slightly more piano-based songs, perhaps, where it like, seems like in the later uh, stages of production, she was getting more experimental. And pretty much, like, the, the live performance on the Christmas special, I don't think is... Other than the fact that she's wearing different clothes, it's pretty similar. Yeah, those things that have been... Like, it's... On the subject of literalism, I was going to say that in... She tends to anthropomorphize uh, like objects, especially musical instruments like the saxophone and the violin, and the, she's really carrying that to its uh, full, to its maximum potential there with the killer violins. And on the you know on the Christmas special, she's just she's dressed in the bat wings, whereas the uh, the tour of life one, as far as I can tell from from the pictures, she's dressed in like she's dressed kind of in this like tight three-quarter sleeve shirt with yeah. this pretty drapey skirt because that's what she was wearing in Egypt which was I think the previous song
and yeah, and speaking of like, I noticed also in the uh, when I watched it on the the Hammersmith tape that there were there were a couple a couple of lyrical changes. Yeah, she kind of changes for every recording, doesn't she? For that particular song. And actually, and apparently somebody asked her for the actual lyrics. And she she basically said that she had forgotten them and that they changed several times while <laughs> she was touring and that, yeah, you know, they weren't really very good. So <laughs> I don't really remember. But it was something like hear the haunting melody, leaving enough for my country, leaving a here in a wood in a green valley. It's like, OK, well, I'm glad you changed that. <laughs> yes, I was listening. I was listening earlier and I couldn't make out what she was saying in any versions except the except the studio version, which. Those are, those are just much better lyrics that she writes in the end, her final draft. She mentions uh, she mentions a couple of people. You know, she mentions banshees, of course, but she also mentions you know you were meant you you said you, you kind of get the impression this is somebody going crazy, and there's a Nero. Oh yeah, that's some. <laughs> you know, that not a sane individual. Yeah, the Roman who fiddled while Rome was burning, just like doing his thing, <laughs> and uh, of course Paganini, um, the famous. Violin player, he was the rock star of his day. All the women yep. loved him. He was considered a genius. I don't think he lives that long, but then again, a lot of those people don't. <laughs> and look at Arthur I mean, Arthur Rambeau barely made it to my age, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just like have to wonder like the, if the Twenty Seven Club would have been around like that that long ago. But. It would have been like, yeah, you know, everybody's. I mean, life expectancy wasn't very long anyway. Yes, <laughs> like twenty. <laughs> I mean, you don't really want to think about twenty-seven as middle age, but, but yeah, I do wonder, like, you know, yeah, just how many of how many songs about violins have a character named Johnny in them? Actually, I mean, how many care how many Johnnies are there in the, on song? But oh, but, jigging along with the fiddle, oh Johnny, jigging oh, along yeah. with the fiddle, dee dee. I, I wonder who Johnny is, or if, unless she just chose it because it sounded cool. It, it may be some kind of lingo, but yeah, it may just because you may just sound right for the song. Or like old Nikki. Oh yeah. Yeah, Lord, she's Baganini up on the chimney, Lord of the Dance with Nero and Nero and old Nikki whacked that devil into my fiddlestick. <laughs> she knows how to meter her, her lyrics too. She really knows how to how to get the right beat to the words. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder who old Nikki is supposed to be. <laughs> I've always wondered that. I'm just wondering if there's any con- uh, connection between Nick and Chimney there, but here she is. She says. Uh, this was from the Kate Bush uh, Club newsletter. She says, violin is for all the mad fiddlers from Paganini to old Nick himself. Yeah, those seem to be largely commercial taglines that she's putting in that uh, in that newsletter, you know, just uh, saying, you know, how she'd sell it to her label, uh, all these songs, you know, in one or two sentences. But. This is from a Radio 1 interview, um, October 11th, 1980. And there's a great line in that album. Let me just read the notes on the inside of the album. Give me the banshees for BBs. Immediately, I looked at that and I thought, Susie and the Banshees, Kate Bush, doesn't work. 
what is that about? <laughs> and she says, well, unfortunately, great for using such words like this. I mean, for instance, it's the police has a completely different meaning now because of the group called the police. And I'm referring to the original Banshees who are, in fact, sort of, I guess they couldn't make it out, from Ireland, who would only cry when death was imminent. And so it's just meant to be a very eerie creature singing the background vocals. Going back yeah, to the that- old Irish roots. <laughs> I have the uh, the the Kate Bush complete. Oh, I just have the PDF here. I I don't sing a lot of these because I don't have her vocal range, but they they are fun to kind of pick out on the piano. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's helped me. Uh, like uh, I'm actually sitting right next to my keyboard right now. Like so, like the most I can do is like just you know pound out some chords while trying to listen while just looking over this book, but. It, it's fun. It is a, it's a good resource. See, this one, it's in B, isn't it? No, it's actually, yeah, it's in the key of B major. But okay. it starts, it starts on C sharp. That yeah, C sharp to F sharp, C sharp, F sharp. And then for the verse, C, C sharp, B, E, e. F sharp. She doesn't have as many like weird chords against each other in this song. Uh, so the chorus is C sharp, F sharp, C sharp, F sharp, C sharp, F sharp, E, E flat. Oh D, my god. C sharp. Yeah, so she's basically going down. It's uh... Yeah, so she's she's doing a like chromatic dissension oh she and then in the very end it's the the violin it's goes and she ends on a which has nothing to do with b major it's like okay maybe at the end she's gone into that but I love her composition. She just absolutely refuses to be orthodox or conventional in any way. Yep. And that's part of why I love what I love about yes. her music. <laughs> yeah, just all these uh, chords. Yeah. Are there any key changes in this song or just uh, chords that... Okay. No, it's just weird chords against each other, like at the very end. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. It's, that. it's funny. All the low point in the song, like the lowest uh, note in the song does not come from her vocally, does it? It's like the piano. It looks like it's a G sharp because it's oh. on the it's on the filling me up with the shivers and quivers. Which goes. And shivers and quivers before you know. Something like that. <laughs> so she goes, uh, like, fill, just filling me up, and then shivers and quivers right next to each other. So this. That's extremely Kate. Yeah. Only Kate would go, I am going to write a song about a violin, and I'm going to make my voice sound like a violin. <laughs> That's right. She does sort of uh, imitate the subject there. Mm hmm. 
I mean, we all know that she's all about being literal. Yeah, that is, you know, like, this is probably, like, well, the dreaming is the first time that she starts to really make her primary instrument her voice, but that kind of starts here. Well, I think it's always been there. Yeah. But it definitely, on this song, like, it, it is, I think of all the songs up to this point, is her really using her voice as an instrument. Yeah, just, like, really doing things that you just could not uh, get out of an, uh, yeah, for Things that you can do with the human voice you can't do with an instrument, yeah. Yep. And it is it is amazing that she pushed her her voice to such extremes. You like the, the, even some of the like early downloads you can tell she's you know still really struggling and then she just the uh, progressive recordings you just managed to nail it more and more. I can see why somebody would find the song irritating. Like when I've read reviews of this song from other fans, like, oh my god, this was the irritating song I've ever heard. I don't really get that. I'd like I don't really get say how someone can uh, like Kate Bush and not love this song because it is it is just so very, it's it's very like well, I'm gonna say it again very Kate. Yeah, she never performed this on a any other TV show. I mean, it wasn't a single, so of course she wouldn't have performed it. Imagine how it would have gone in a singles market. How it would have fared. I don't know. I don't know how this would have done. Probably not great. It's I think it's very much an it's very much a uh, an album track, something you put on the second half of your album. But, mm-hmm. but no, I, I don't think it would have survived as a single. But it would have been interesting to <laughs> to, to think of. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would have been really interesting as a single? The wedding list. Oh yeah, that would have been a. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's you, you can't get enough of the of the wedding list. That's just a great great song. So that was one that I didn't really like too much at first, and just over time it's grown on me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I think most of this album I didn't pay enough attention at first, and then just you know slowly grew fonder of it. Yeah, that's like a lot of a lot of her music took took quite a bit of getting used to for me. But yeah, this, this has been great. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. And uh, where can so where can people find you on Twitter if they agree with what you say that violin is a cool song? Um, I am at uh, Ballardian Gorse on Twitter. If uh, that's you find that a bit hard to spell, then uh, just look up Christopher Kelly, and you'll probably find me there. And also your blog. Where can people find your blog? Uh, KateBushSongs.wordpress.com. Dream of Organon, the songs of Kate Bush. Uh, check it out, and hope you enjoy it. Cool. Now, do you have another, um, I forget if you said, uh, do you have another entry in the works? I just finished the saxophone song entry, and the next one that I'm going to write is uh, The Man with the Child in His Eyes. And then I'm just going to, then i back to the Phoenix demos, because that's uh, the end of that 90, 1975 session, and I just had to figure out what songs, what order I'm going to cover the songs from there. Well, I, I look forward to reading more of what you have to say about Kate's songs, and I'll be retweeting your your posts and everything. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the podcast. I'll be sharing the podcasts. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to talk to you. Thank you. Great talking to you. 
And now to close out the episode, we're going to include some thoughts from a fan of the show named Wayne Henderson. You might remember Wayne Henderson as one of the fans that I spoke with for In Search of Peter Pan. He was one of the three people who said, hey, I want to talk about that song for the show. And he had asked me a a while ago whether he could send in a voice memo with his own thoughts on violin. And I said, sure, yeah, we'll add it to the episode and put it in there and everything. So here's what Wayne Henderson had to say about violin. Hey, Cecily, Wayne Henderson here from the Castle Rock Zone podcast, calling in for your Strange Phenomena podcast. I just want to thank you again for doing this. You are plugging along quite well, making it through the Kate Bush catalog, and this is awesome stuff. Wanted to call in about violin from Never Forever. And although not my favorite album of quote-unquote early Kate Bush songs, it is my favorite sonic production and engineering of a Kate Bush album up until Ariel. Although I also do love the sound of Lionheart and the kick inside. I mean, this whole album especially violin, has a clear, punchy production. You can really hear all of the instruments. There's excellent dynamic range. And these days, my favorite track on Never Forever is violin. I mean, Strange Phenomena, excellent podcast. You want to talk about a strange phenomena? This song rocks and sounds fantastic when you crank it up. I mean, heck, it even has a pretty tasty guitar solo and a fun bass line as well. I mean, sure, James and the Cold Gun has some rock to it as well, but not quite to the level of violin. I just love playing this song, especially loud. Like I said, it's so good. Kate Bush stretching her voice in all sorts of wild and lovely ways all over the song Violin. And it even taught me about the classic violinist, Niccolo Paganini. Who would have thought I would learn about that guy, especially from listening to Kate Bush. But then when you look at it with about 25, 30 years of hindsight, it kind of makes sense. It really does. Kate Bush has introduced us to a lot of things and people that we probably wouldn't have discovered otherwise. And how about the last 20 seconds or so of that track? It's just Kate Bush sending it off into the atmosphere. And then it's time to hit repeat and play it again. Thanks again for uh, including my thoughts on violin, and I can't wait to talk about some of the tracks on The Dreaming coming up in a couple of months. If you have a favorite Kate Bush song or several songs that you would love to talk about for a future episode, here's where you can contact me. First, you can email me kbcast at linkmedia.com. That's link with an E. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Kate Bush podcast. And also on Twitter, you can find me at strange Kate cast. Join us for a discussion of the eighth track from Never Forever, which will be coming out next week. And I will get to be talking with Zoe P all about The Infant Kiss, which is one of her personal favorite Kate Bush songs. And we get into a wonderful discussion of the song. So join us for a discussion of The Infant Kiss next week on the show. Thanks for listening.
Or even what this song would have sounded like. Yeah, Kay's just doing stuff that nobody else would do or allow her to do. Like, mm-hmm. like say, she clapped with Layra a few times, didn't she? Like, apparently the, the Dreaming was the closest that EMI ever got to returning an album to the artist. Yep. No taste. Uh, I will say, like, the first time... I heard that album about the same time, actually, as... Uh, I was getting into Kate at the same time as Tori Amos. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of people like to compare Kate and Tori... No, they are two very, very different artists. One is like, I am bleeding my heart out on the piano. The other is, I'm going to tell you a story and have funky violins around me. And when I listened to, I was getting into Tori, I I listened to her more experimental boys for Pele, which a lot of people kind of compare to like the dreaming because it is like both of them mm-hmm. taking the reins on their production, doing their own thing and doing something very uncommercial. And I think in both case in for boys for Pele that it was almost returned to Tori as well oh, because boy. her, her record company told her, you know, like, no, this is shit. You need to go and redo <laughs> this. Um, but uh, I forgot where I was going. Um, oh, but I was getting into them at about the same time. And I actually found the dreaming not... I mean, I still think it's like batshit crazy. But I actually found that a little bit easier to get into than Boys for Pele. <laughs> but that's just me. It's, uh, well, and she's... Uh, well, I haven't really listened to much Tori at all. But it's more of, say, uh, Kate's more of... Uh, does more mime, whereas Tori does more memoir. Do you think that sounds fair? so because tori is much more like i'm gonna like tell you about this very personal thing and it might really really piss you off but i'm gonna do it anyway whereas kate doesn't really you don't really get to know her too much as a person she doesn't speak as much from personal experience as tori does it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 